You know, I was, I was thinking this week, and I've given some thought to this. Unless you're completely clueless, are you starting to realize that our world is in trouble? I mean, you would have to be completely clueless not to realize that our world is in trouble. I mean, again, we're, we're in the throes of a recession. Depending on how you define a recession, I guess, is what people are talking about. I mean, and I'm not getting political. I just think it's funny. We're in the throes of a recession. We have the war in Ukraine that seems to be complicating everything around the world. And then we have all the things that have happened this past week with China and Taiwan. And that's just, on, I, mean, I mean, even in the last two days, we've had the Palestinians and the Israelis at it again. I mean, we know that's never going to go away. But 600 rockets fired from the Gaza Strip into Israel. And let me just tell you, don't mess with Israel. You have all these things going on around the world. And this doesn't even count the things that are happening in our own community. I think most of us in this audience, most of you joining us online, whether you're watching or listening, you would agree that our world is in trouble. And I think most of us would admit that we sense that something in our world is broken. I mean, you know things are broken. When someone walks into a school with guns and leaves that school, and when they do, they leave children, faculty, and administration lying in their classrooms in pools of blood. We sense that something is broken when somebody goes into the workplace and they begin to open fire with a firearm on the colleagues, the very people they used to work with. I think we sense that something is broken. When people have amazing educational backgrounds and they funnel that education and take the time to build and detonate a bomb on a site where people are celebrating. And hundreds of people are left dead and maimed. Friends, listen to me this morning. This is 2022. And never has there been more knowledge in our world. Never has the world been so technologically advanced. And at the same time, never have we been more broken deep down in our souls. And I think we know that. I think this is something that all of us sense. I mean, think about it this morning. Relationships are breaking down. Marriages are limping along. Our families are fragmented. And when you look around, you, you, you start to see, like I said, that the world simply doesn't know how to get along. 
I mean, think about it. Syria, Iran, North Korea, Russia, China. Those are five countries right now that are in the news. And those five countries, listen to me this morning, those five countries are simply the tip of the iceberg. I mean, just come a little closer to home. And we look at our own hostilities with other groups, other races, other ethnicities. We look at all the things that are happening around the world and in our community, and we wonder, what's the solution for the mess that we're in? You turn on the television, read the paper, log into the Internet, and you see pundits and politicians trying to give you an explanation for what they believe is happening. And while they're trying to explain things to you from their perspective, I think most of us have come to the place where we realize that the Republicans or the Democrats or the Independents, none of them have any solution for what is broken deep down in the human soul. Did you hear what I said? No Republican, no Democrat. They have no solution for what is broken deep down in the human soul. So we sit at home or we sit at the office and we look at the world that we're living in. We see all the things that are happening in the news and happening in our world. And if you're just like me, you know what I want to do? I just want to throw up my hands and say, I give up. I give up. And it made me think. Where do I go when I want to give up? Where do I look when things in the world are so bad that I just want to throw up my hands and say, I give up? Where do you find hope when you've reached that point in your life that you're about to give up? Because we look at our world and we search for hope. And we wonder, is, is there any power in the universe that can fix or redirect a broken spirit, a broken soul? What's it going to take to fill or to change a hate-filled person into a loving person? What's it going to take to change a greedy person into a generous person? What's it going to take to, to change a lustful person into a person that respects other people? What's it going to take to change a racist into a person that's more inclusive of all people? What's going to turn a violent person and transform them into a peace-loving, self-controlled, gentle person? See, here's the thing. If I'll take the time this morning and make this personal to all of us, 
I think that for all of us deep down inside of us, most of us, as it relates to our lives, we have a question about ourselves. What's it going to take to change a person like me? Because it's not just the problems and the issues that we're dealing with out in the world. It's the problems and the challenges inside of us. Inside of ourselves. And the real secret that many of us carry is that when we look at the choices that we've made, and we look at the things that we've done in the past, we're about ready to give up on ourselves. You look at what you've done last week, last night, last year, last marriage, and you think, I'm just about ready to give up on myself. So knowing that so many of us are about ready to give up on ourselves, I want you to listen to me. And let me just say this this morning. If you don't hear anything else that I say, I want you to make sure that you hear this because it's so important for you to understand this that I'm going to put it behind me on the screen. And here's the thing I want you to know. Jesus never gave up on anyone, ever. When you're about ready to give up on yourself or somebody else in your life, you just need to understand, Jesus never gave up on anyone. Anybody. I mean, go to the Scripture. There's a guy by the name of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was the Bernie Madoff of his day. Zacchaeus robbed people. He made a fortune off of people by practicing unethical behavior when it came to the way that he did business. But Jesus didn't blast him for what he'd done. Jesus didn't give up on Zacchaeus. Instead, Jesus says to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, what did he say? I'm coming to your house today. You want to hear something? The religious, religious elite of the day, they couldn't understand this. They couldn't understand why Jesus would hang out with somebody like Zacchaeus. But here's the thing. Remember, look at what it says behind me. Jesus never gave up on anyone, ever. One day, Jesus approached a woman. At a well, who had been married and divorced five times. I mean, you think about a lady who has been married and divorced five times, you kind of figure out that there's a lot of sexual entanglement in her life. And not only had she been married and divorced five times, she was now hooking up with a man that she wasn't even married to. See, when I say hooking up to the 830 crowd, they don't understand what that means. But you got to get what that means. 
I liked it when we had three services because it was G, P, G, and R. You know what I'm saying? Because, I mean, I, I kind of got a little more loose-lipped every time I spoke anyway. But that's, that's neither here nor there. But anyway, Jesus meets this woman at the well. And when he did, you know what? He wasn't repulsed by her. He wasn't disgusted by her. Instead, he meets her at the well and offers her living water for her soul. And he loved her regardless of her past. He never gave up on her. Jesus stayed half the night with a guy by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a wealthy man. A wealthy man who had not found meaning in his wealth and all the stuff that he'd accumulated. But Jesus didn't berate the guy because he was wealthy. Instead, he gave him an opportunity. An opportunity so that Nicodemus could be born again. And he could have a fresh start. Because Jesus never gave up on anyone. See, when Jesus saw people who were about to give up on themselves, Nicodemus, the woman at the well, Zacchaeus, Jesus always offered hope. And this morning, I want you to hear me. Because regardless what you did last night, last week, last year, Jesus hasn't given up on you. He hasn't given up on anyone. Because just like me, you matter to him. He loves you relentlessly. He loves you more than you will ever understand. About 10 years ago, our staff and leadership were on uh, a trip. Lori Dove, Lori Flowers are both in here. Uh, Barry may have been on this trip. I can't remember who all was there, but we went to Catalyst. We used to go every year. I miss those days. It's, it's just a two- or three-day event where we would kind of get filled back up. And uh, I heard Matt Chandler speak. And Matt Chandler shared a story from his college years. And again, Matt pastors, the last time I checked, the Village Church in Austin down in Texas. But he shared a story about when he was in college that he befriended uh, a lady in one of his classes who was a good bit older than he was. She was single mom. Not only was she a single mom, but she was having an affair with a married man. So, so there was all this sexual tension with her life and with her past. But Matt, having been called into the ministry and a follower of Jesus, Matt had a class with her, and he just started to love her right where she was. He wanted to get to know her and to share the mercy and the love of God with her. So over time, he, he, he told us that, that they started to have these, these spiritual conversations. And, and one day, Matt invited her to go to a Christian concert with him because he actually knew one of the drummers who were in one of the bands that was going to be performing. So he knew the concert was going to be good. He says that at some point in that concert, 
uh, a pastor came up and he wanted to talk to those who were at the concert about sex. Now, again, you have to remember it was a relatively young crowd, so it was a perfect opportunity for a pastor or somebody like that to get up and talk about sex because everybody was really young. And the pastor brought with him as he came out to address, you know, like I'll do sometimes, I'll have some props. He brought out this long-stemmed rose, and he took the rose, and he handed it to those people in the crowd, and he told them, why don't you just pass the rose around? And everybody passed it and handled it and touched it and smelled it. And the whole time this pastor is speaking, Matt said that this pastor gave one of the most terrible mishandlings on the subject of sex that he had ever heard. That at best, he would call it fear-mongering. And the pastor said to those who were listening, he said, you think you're out there having fun, but do you want to get syphilis? You think you're out there having fun, but do you want to get herpes? And Matt said he had brought this woman to this concert, and he knew her past, and he's thinking, oh, man. And the pastor gets to the end of his sermonette, if you will, his talk. And as he reaches the pinnacle of everything he was trying to communicate, he asked for those in the audience to give him the rose back. And, of course, the rose has been handled by hundreds of people, and the stem is broke, and the petals are falling off, and it's wilting. But he grabs the rose from the audience, and he holds the rose up in front of them and says, Now, who would want this? Who would want this rose? And Matt said, it took everything for me not to stand up and say, Jesus would want that rose. Jesus is the one who would want that rose. Because Jesus loves people. Jesus cares for people. Everyone matters to Jesus because, listen to me, isn't that what the gospel is about? God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Because Jesus wants the rose. So that we may become the righteousness of God. Because while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And it's Jesus. He's the one who can regenerate your soul. And Jesus is the one who can make you into something new. And listen to me, Crossroads. He's not giving up on you. It doesn't matter what you've done. So regardless of what you've come in here this morning and your life looks like, he's not giving up on you. That's why I believe it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what is a part of your past. There's hope for you. 
And can I just say something that I've said from the stage a number of times? The day that I stop believing that there's hope is the day that I'll stop coming to Crossroads. The day that I stop believing that there's hope is the day that I will no longer stand on this stage in front of you. Because you see, it's the church of Jesus Christ. It's churches all over the globe. It's churches like Crossroads. We've been entrusted with the answer so that we can extend to the world God's hope, and that hope is found in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And here's what it says. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, and the new has come. If you're in Christ, God makes you new. All the old and damaged stuff that was part of your life, it's gone. God makes you a new creation. God takes all the old junk and all of that old junk gets replaced by something new. I know I've kind of mentioned this story before, but several years ago, Right before Easter weekend, uh, I started to get short of breath. And I didn't really know why, but it was Easter weekend. We were too busy. We had too much to do. We couldn't worry about it. But I got in touch with somebody who was attending the church and said, hey, can you get me in to see a heart doctor? Because I felt like it was my heart. My heart was racing. I was out of breath. We have a spiral staircase at the office. And I couldn't even get to the top of the, the, top of the spiral staircase without being out of breath. I was worried. And, and of course, after Easter was done, I, they got me in to see a heart doctor, and they scheduled all kinds of tests. And as you know, when they schedule all kinds of tests, they're going to stick a tube every place where they can stick a tube. Can I get an amen? And I'm not really going to go any further than that. They were just poking and prodding everywhere. But in addition to that, they wanted me to do a stress test on a treadmill. And I know many of you in this audience are those watching online, you've, you've actually done a stress test. They put you on a treadmill with all these wires hanging on you, uh, and, and, and they want you to walk. And it starts off slow, but they pick up the speed, and the incline gets a little steeper. Now, let me just tell you, in typical Randy fashion, I was committed that I was going to slay that stress test, okay? Daddy ain't going to lose anything. So they put me on there in that beautiful backless hospital gown. And it started, and it went faster, and it went faster, and it went faster, and it went steeper and steeper. And I'm just trotting along like a champ. I really am. I, I was doing really good. Now, when I started the stress test, they put this thing in my hand that had a red button. It's kind of like the ripcord on a parachute. And the doctor said, you just keep going as long as you can, as steep as you can. And Randy, when you don't want to go anymore, when things get too hard for you and you just can't take it anymore, you just push that button. And I went as long as I could and as steep as I could. But when I couldn't go anymore, you know what I did? I pushed the button. 
and I felt so much relief and so much freedom when I knew that I was off that treadmill. But see, I think about that, and that's you and me. That's us this morning. We're on the treadmill together. And that treadmill is called sin and death and sin and death. And that treadmill is turning and turning and turning and getting steeper. That's just how the cycle of life turns out. We're tempted and we sin and we feel guilty. We're tempted and we sin and we feel guilty. And it happens to us over and over and over. And let me tell you, it's going to happen to you when you leave here today. You're going to be tempted and you're going to sin and then you're going to feel guilty. That's the treadmill. That's how the cycle operates in our life. But then, listen to me this morning, then the incline starts to increase. And we think we can't change. We think we're powerless to change. I can't get off the treadmill. There's nobody out there to help me. But friends, listen to me this morning. Jesus is the button that you push to set you free. Jesus is the button that we can all push to set free. I love, I love how it's paraphrased in the Living Bible, Romans 8, verse 2. Here's what it says. For the power of the life-giving Spirit, and this power is mine through Christ Jesus. It has freed me from the, look what it says, the vicious cycle of sin and death. The vicious cycle of sin and death on the treadmill. And we say, okay, I'm going to push the button and I'm going to be set free. Last weekend in this service, at the beginning of the service, we got to witness the baptism of three people, Evie, Audrey, and Mackenzie. And let, let, me, let me help you understand something so that you really grasp this. You know what they were saying to you by being baptized last weekend? They were telling you they've been set free. They've gotten off the treadmill. I've gotten off the treadmill and I've been set free. And that's what real people do when they express their faith. Because watching people get baptized like some of you saw last weekend, watching someone get baptized, it captures the way that only Jesus can regenerate the soul and take it from something that was old and make it into something that's new. No matter how you come to Jesus, whether your head's hanging low or whether you're weeping, Jesus embraces all of us because, listen, he never gives up on anyone. And I know that. Because I'm a sinner, and I'm guilty, and I deserve hell. But Jesus died for me, and he cleansed me, and he forgave, forgave me, and purified me, and regenerated me, 
as only the Holy Spirit can do. And this morning, there's no reason that you should leave here without claiming that truth for yourself. So the question is, what do you do? What do you do with all this? Well, Acts chapter 2 records the very first sermon in the history of the church. And the sermon was actually delivered by a friend of Jesus, a guy by the name of Peter. And Peter just gets up and explains the love and the grace of Jesus. And that this love and grace is available to everybody who's listening through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And Acts chapter 2 tells us that when, when people heard the message that those people were actually moved by the very words of Peter. They're listening to the words of Peter, and they're taking in the words of Peter, and they begin to process those words and embrace the message of Peter internally. And as they do, here's what the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 37. It says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. Think about those words. Cut to the heart. They didn't just listen to what Peter had to say and then check with the people and say, hey, let's go out to Bojangles and grab a chicken and biscuits. They didn't just listen to the words of Peter and say, hey, there are going to be some NFL preseason games. Let's go watch those. They didn't say that at all. They, they, they didn't say, hey, uh, do you guys want to go out and have brunch? It says, when they heard the words of Peter, they were cut to the heart. Cut to the heart means that the people who heard the words of Peter, they had to respond to it. They were under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And they said to Peter, Peter, we believe you. We believe what you are saying about Jesus. We believe that we can be transformed through his blood, through his death, through his burial, and his resurrection. But Peter, what do we need to do now? And here's what Peter said in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. He said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now look at what it says. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord will call. The promise is for you. Today. August the 7th, 2022. Far off from 2,000 years ago. This promise is for you. And if we were to go down a couple of more verses in verse 41, it says that those who accepted the message that day, they were baptized. About 3,000 who did that were added to their number. 
Can you imagine what a logistical nightmare it was to baptize 3,000 people? I baptized three, and Audrey filled my shoes with water. I mean, just think about it. Those people heard the message from Peter, and they didn't put it off. They didn't wait till they felt like it. They didn't wait till they had a baptism class. No, they did it that day. On the same day that they placed their faith in Jesus, 3,000 people were baptized into Jesus' name. 3,000 were baptized in honor of the very one who rose from the dead. Baptized in honor of the very one who gave them hope. What a mess it must have been to baptize 3,000 people, but what a beautiful mess it was. Amen? You see, you need to take the faith that you're experiencing inwardly. And you should express it outwardly in baptism. Just like what we witnessed last weekend here at Crossroads. A few days ago, I was talking with someone who's really, really a sports fan. And I just have to tell you this morning, I like sports. You know, the Predators, the Titans, the Nashville sports scene, it just doesn't appeal to me because of the traffic. I mean, brothers and sisters, I, I was trying to get to Nashville this week a couple of times during the middle of the day, and it was like it would normally be at 7.30 in the morning. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's terrible. And you don't want to ride with me. Because I have a short temper with the traffic and people obeying the traffic laws. <laughs> I'm just saying it that way. You know what I'm saying? I said that the other day. I don't ever want to get behind people who go the speed limit. But anyway, but anyway, I, I, I just struggle with that. But I was talking to this person who was really excited about the new Nashville soccer team. And I would have to say that this person is like most people who get behind a team. They're totally excited. And, and, and again, they know all about the parking, all about the new stadium. They've got the hats, the bumper stickers, the shirts, and all the stuff that they need to support the team. It's just how people who support the Predators and the Titans and the soccer team and the NASCAR teams, you know, all of those things, that's the way those people operate. They're always excited about that team. But you, but you know what I never hear? I never hear somebody say, Randy, you know, I love the Predators. But my love for the Predators, Randy, it's, it's a private thing. It's a personal thing. I don't ever go public with my love for the Titans. Now, I understand if you're like me, a Vanderbilt fan, you don't never go, you never go public with your, you know. And, and, and see, some of you laughed at that. Because when you hear me say something like that, it just sounds absolutely crazy. Nobody supports a team like the Titans or the Predators and says, I'm just not going to tell people about that. Yet all of the time I talk to people about God and the church. And they say, you know, for me to go public with my faith, 
for me to get in that tub in the waters of baptism and to come out of that water like a drowned rat in front of people that, that I don't even know, there's just no way I feel comfortable doing that. It's just a private thing. It's just a personal thing. But friends, I want you to hear me this morning. Because the Bible teaches you and it teaches me that if we are physically able that you are to be baptized in water in Jesus' name. Now, some of you this morning would say, you know what, I, I, rem- I don't necessarily remember, Randy, but I can tell you that I was told that I was baptized in another part of my life. And some of you say, well, what are you talking about? Some of you were baptized at Denver. And you don't remember being baptized. Because when you think about being baptized as an infant, that's a decision that somebody else made for you. And I'm not saying that when they made the decision for you to be baptized as an infant, I'm not saying it's wrong or bad. But I'm just saying that when you were baptized as an infant, it wasn't your decision. Some of you were coerced into baptism. When some of you were baptized, you can think back and you realize that you actually did it with an ulterior motive. You had a friend that was getting baptized and you thought, because she's doing it, I'm going to do it. Or he's doing it, I'm going to do it. I can't tell you how many people I talk to that will tell me in their younger years that they were baptized simply because somebody else did it. I mean, the number of stories that I hear from church camp and and people being baptized because a friend was doing it, it's quite amazing how many people have that story. But it really wasn't something special because it really wasn't a personal decision that you made. Maybe today, That's the decision that some of you need to make. You need to make the decision for yourself to be baptized. Because listen to me, God never gives up on anyone. He never gives up on anyone. And today I have no doubt that the Holy Spirit right now, even in this service, is weighing heavily on some of you. And I'm just going to tell you, if that's happening, don't deny that. Pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Because for many of us, there's no good reason for us to leave here today when Jesus offers you mercy and grace. There's no reason for you to leave here today when Jesus, listen, 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 when Jesus offers you victory. There's no reason to leave here today feeling hopeless because Jesus offers you hope for your life today. There's no reason to leave this place today without the assurance of salvation because Jesus died for you. And some of you today, You need to make the decision to go H2O. You need to decide that you're going to get in the water 
of baptism. I love what it says in Acts chapter 22, verse 16. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away. Calling on his name. Look at the scripture behind me. What are you waiting for? I'm going to give you something today so you can plan. On the last weekend of the month of August, again, we're going to offer and experience baptism in both of our services at the end of the month. That simply means that you have three weeks to plan and to get ready. You can invite whoever needs to be invited. You can get whatever video camera you need to get with you so you can take pictures or video. You can do whatever you need to do. Because we're going to offer again on August the 28th baptism in both of our services. And I know that some of you want to do this because some of you I have seen today, you've told me that you want to do this. you can plan so don't wait don't put it off this is your time this is your time to go public with your faith in Jesus it's a new day it's a new season and God is doing a new thing in a new season so don't put off making the most important decision that you will ever make by putting your faith in Jesus and by following that decision in baptism. I just want to say one other thing. I got a text message from or an email yesterday from somebody questioning me about the events that we see happening on the world stage, Israel, the Palestinians, China, Taiwan, Russia, Gog, Magog. I'm just going to tell you, and I'm not fear-mongering people, I wouldn't put off making that decision. It doesn't matter when it happens. What matters is that you're ready when it happens. Don't put off making Jesus your Lord and Savior. Place your faith in Him so that you spend eternity with Him and with those you love. You know, my mom died on July the 13th. And it, it's kind of funny because I can say this to you guys because you, you kind of know how I am. She, she laid right here in that casket. And we had her in a brand new outfit and brand new shoes, brand new undergarments, and a brand new pair of pantyhose. She was ready to go. She just didn't want to go because she had a family here. The bottom line was that she was ready. And when she stepped into eternity, I have no doubt 
that she heard the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Don't you want to hear those words from the very mouth of Jesus himself? Enter into your master's presence. You don't want to miss that. Don't put it off. Would you bow your heads this morning and pray with me, please? God, we're so thankful for the love and grace that's available through Jesus Christ. So thankful for the Acts chapter 2 church that we see where Peter preached that sermon and people placed their faith in Jesus just like they can do this morning. And they were baptized. We're so glad that in this hopeless world, it's not hopeless. That Jesus offers us hope for our life today and we just simply accept him his love, his grace, his mercy as our forgiver, as our leader and as our friend and we turn from our life of sin and we seek to follow him in all the ways of our lives maybe today right where you're seated in this auditorium at home watching us across the country, actually across the world. Maybe you've never placed your faith in Jesus, and that's what you need to do today. Just right where, let me tell you, you don't have to pray a King James prayer. Just in humility, admit that you're needing Jesus, that there's a hole in your heart that needs to be filled, because that hole is what Jesus will fill, and you will feel complete. Just ask Him to come follow that decision up with baptism. Whether it's in your church, in your community, or in this church on August the 28th at 8.30 or at 10. God, we're so thankful. We're thankful for what you've done and what Jesus has done. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Continue to let us know and feel your spirit. Lead us and guide us in all that we do. 